everyone. Welcome back to uh, another Eurythmics podcast. It's been a little while since we've done one. This is number 16. And uh, I'm here with Mark Stevens, as always. Um, say, say hi. Yeah, you, Mark always says hi. <laughs> um, our guest today is Brian Lush. And he, if um, I think a lot of Eurythmics fans might be familiar with who he is because of um, some of the articles he's written for rockwire.com. And he's, you know, from time to time, you'll see him on the fan pages and stuff. But uh, just a little bit about Brian before we uh, let him start speaking. <laughs> Brian is a music industry professional and entrepreneur. In 2005, he launched the online music site rockwire.com to help promote new music artists in conjunction with weekly radio show Rockwired Live. He also launched daily podcast series, Rockwired Radio Profiles, which had exclusive interviews and music. Um, he's developed and produced online radio shows such as Jazzed and Blue, Profiles in Blues and Jazz, Aboriginal Sounds, a celebration of American Indian and First Nations music, and other ones. Um, there was also a digital magazine based on Rockwired, Rockwired that uh, was out there and... I think attracted over 75,000 readers a month and uh, did really well. Brian is, has the distinction of being the first American or Rockwired magazine is the distinction of being the first American Indian owned rock magazine. Brian Lush is an enrolled member of the Yankton Sioux tribe and his background is in music journalism, radio and podcast hosting, podcast production, web design, publicity, pretty much sounds like everything you would want to be into in the music industry. So Brian, welcome. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. I, I really enjoy this podcast, and I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be here. So thank you so well, much. We're thrilled to have you. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, like I said before we started recording, your articles are great. And uh, so we're thrilled to have you. So it works both ways. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're honored that you're that you're here. So we're thrilled, just thrilled. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the Touch album, which I think probably for a lot of Eurythmics fans is kind of a seminal album because, um, well, at least for me, anyways, it was the album that really got me into them. I mean, you know, I loved Sweet Dreams and I had Sweet Dreams and I liked it a lot, but it seemed like when Touch came out, it was like, wow. I mean, they just went. They, you know, well, after In the Garden, the, the switch to Sweet Dreams was dramatic. I think the, the, the switch from Sweet Dreams to Touch was even more dramatic and really showed, like, their songwriting prowess, the production prowess. And it's re really made me a huge fan. So we're going to be talking about Touch today, track by track, and whatever thoughts come into our mind about it. So, um, Brian, do you want to open and say something about your feelings about Touch? Oh, uh, you know, it holds a distinct, a very, a, a, a weird distinction for me, being the first album I ever had on cassette. I kid you not, wow. I got it on cassette, and uh, I would have rather had the album with her doing the pose with the mask, and I would have rather had the, the, the vinyl, but the cassette was where, what I got, you know, uh, after Thanksgiving for this A that I got on a book report. I was I was only like nine years nine years old at the time, and I and I, we had the Sweet Dreams album, and uh, but I was really looking forward to this new one, and uh, and uh, you know I had to get used to you know the cassette, you know, I just putting it in and having to fast forward, not 
move the needle on my Star Wars themed uh, turntable. I kid you not, yeah. Star Wars themed. And good for you. Good for you. <laughs> so that, nothing wrong. Was, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I like that. I like that you got it though for um, a book report. Yeah. That's that speaks well for what you turned into as a writer. So. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it was a book called One Morning in Maine or something. It was. It, 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 we had. It was a geographical theme for for in terms of a book report. But that's boring. So I just I just remember the name of the book I did it on. So <laughs> great. Um, well, uh, let's talk about the opening track. Here comes the rain again. Um, that is my all-time favorite Eurythmics song, and, and my all-time favorite song of any band. Um, the funny thing is, I get older, I feel like saying things like, this is my all-time favorite song, is kind of like less important than it used to be when I was younger. I mean, they're still my favorite songs, but as you get older, you kind of realize there's so much diversity out there and so many types of songs and so many types of things people like, that to say, this is my all-time favorite, you know, could maybe is a little limiting, but... I do feel that way, and well, it, it is for me too. I mean, it's it's it just it remains my favorite. I think it's the perfect pop song. I just I yeah, think it's, it's like Dave every- Stewart talks about the perfect three and a half minute pop single. That's what "Here Comes the Rain Again" is to me. Just a perfect from beginning to end. Just a perfect song. So okay, we've we've determined that it's number one for me and number one for Rex Brian. <laughs> I think it's the greatest love song ever. And I will tell you oh. why. I will tell you why. Yeah. It's just it, it's just got everything, you know. It's got the you know the, the 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 synthetic staccato you know intro, and you've got the actual real strings and real brass that sweep into it. It's like this perfect sonic marriage, and then you get and it's it's almost Wagnerian how it comes in with this minor progression. It really does sound like a storm is coming. You know, there's a storm coming. And then her voice comes in and you're there. You know, she doesn't she doesn't have to build you up anymore. She doesn't have to reel you in with any sort of like crazy vocal theatrics. It's a very subdued vocal performance. You know that that's kind of that kind of it, it, that indicates to the reader that uh, the, the, this love is not, this love is 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 a good thing, but it could be a bad thing as well. You know, and that's what Eurythmics always do the best. They always you could always you know they they just had this natural tension in their music. It was you know there was there was foreboding in it, you know, and, and then just when you think that the grandeur of it is way too much for you to take in, they put the, the they had, the, they had the, they, they had the shoe ops in the court. And that yeah. brings you back to the fact that it's a pop song, but this is a pop song that's going to last the ages because it's, right, right. it's got all these great musical hallmarks, you know, to it. And so, yeah, and of course, then the she, the she West, she West, you know, it kind of evokes, you know, kind of a '60s, maybe kind of girl group sound, or or even '50s. You know, it doesn't really sound '50s or '60s in the context it's put in in the production, but it was so brilliant. I mean, when I when I first realized realized what I was hearing, you know, she West, she West, I thought, God, this is just so great. You know, I mean, 
it's hard well, it's hard to explain how it thrills me but yeah i think it's supposed to conjure up that romanticism of you know it, it's it's supposed to remind you that as you said brian you know that it's a love song a different kind of love song but it brings that in and i think the thing about here comes the rain again to me and you brought it up too that you have you it changes every few seconds you've got the staccato opening and then at four seconds you get basically what i'll always envision as the raindrops bump 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 you know and then 22 seconds in the orchestra comes in 34 seconds the lyrics come in 48 seconds the orchestra 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 sweeps in and at 105 there's the chorus and there's the doo-wop at 110. I mean, it it keeps changing every few seconds. And and all of this stuff is building on it. I, it's, it's incredible when I think about it. And I think, too, that it was the song that had to happen following the Sweet Dreams album to say, these people are real. Because Sweet Dreams could have easily been a one-hit wonder. We we all know that it had all the hall, hallmarks of it. Of course, it wasn't. We had much and really great tracks from Sweet Dreams to prove that they were something beyond that. But here comes the rain again. Uh, you know, and, and other tracks we'll talk about on Touch. But it it um, it really it, it it's a masterclass in pop music and and songwriting. I just. There's nothing I don't love about it. Nothing. <laughs> and none of those and none of those features of the song across is jarring, you know? Nothing, you know, yeah. the doo-wops don't take you out of it. The shoe-ops don't take you out of it. You know, nothing takes you out of the song. It, it's just perfectly constructed. You know? It brings you further it brings you further into it. Yeah. Uh every bit. And I mean, and then that that glorious bri instrumental bridge <laughs> like i mean I want, it's everything yeah <laughs> i wanted to mention the bridge you know where you have the the synthesizer going da, 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 which by itself could be a little cheesy but they've got the strings behind it the strings mirroring mirroring the exact you know of the synthesizer and to me that just elevates that to from a like a normal Synth type song to something that's much more, and and you know clearly that the songwriters are have more of a depth in their thinking and in their production. Well, and, and kudos to, to Michael Kamen who who uh -huh. you know arranged those things. The late Michael Kamen, yeah. The late Michael Kamen, yeah. So I mean, uh, I did yeah. want to say though that you know you mentioned about it being a follow up to Sweet Dreams and kind of proving proving their songwriting prowess and all that. And the funny thing is, it's the vocal delivery is a, a bit similar. You know, you have sweet dreams on, and then you have here comes the rain. So it was, it was almost like they took the same concept, but then expanded it and changed it into whole, something else. And of course for radio, especially American radio, I think it was similar enough in, in that vocal delivery to sweet dreams that the radio programmers could say, yeah, you know, cause you know how radio programmers are in the U S I mean, it's just like, if you get your song played, it's a miracle. <laughs> if, if you're of a certain quality, <laughs> but um, so I just kind of felt that it was a natural progression, but it went even further. And yeah, I'm just echoing what Mark said earlier about how it was kind of you know the progression from Sweet Dreams. But it's it's fascinating too. But let's remember, uh, 
it was the first single here in the U.S., and of course we got that in late January, February uh, of '84. Right. It's already been the album had already been released, and they were still doing. They were still trying to catch up, you know, from some of the rest of the world, especially the U.S. But it was the third single from the album in the U.K. and, and I guess Europe, where here, "Who's That Girl" was uh, sort of a standalone single leading up to the album and then they led with right by your side and then here comes the rain again um so um you know interesting that to that that the way but i think a lot of that worked out because of timing and the way they needed things and um just but uh, you know it was the perfect lead single here i think but um makes the most sense as a, as a single. And, you know, I don't, I, I just wish it went all the way to number one and not five, you know, and I think, and then what I lie to you got to five. I think oh, yeah, that's yeah. what but I'm that's, thinking of. That's, that's what yeah. But, but it's, um, yeah. But uh, when you think about how difficult, how many great songs were around in 83 and 84, I mean, that was a lot of, People had some good stuff going on, and and maybe not some great stuff, but you know a lot of songs. But that um, it, uh, it it did do well. I mean, great video, great video, um, just a glorious shot. But you know, it had every it had everything they needed. Great right. album cover, you know, all the stuff. So um, so, and and it performs well in any sort of live performance as well. They can do it acoustically. They did a beautiful acoustic version on that they that Dave used for the Lily Was Here soundtrack. Oh, that's uh, right. That, that, yeah, yeah. And that's a beautiful version, and they they do it well no matter how they've done it. It's a great a great song. So I, apparently, the three of us think that it's a pretty darn good song. That's what we've determined. And the best way to, we're not the only fans. You know, the best way to open the album, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and not an expected way to open an album with kind of a slower kind of a ballady song, you know. I mean, most albums open with kind of a punchy type thing, but but again, we know they they break rules. So <laughs> yeah. So the next song is uh, "Regrets," and uh, I'll let either one of you jump in first. <laughs> Brian, once again, once again, this is the group that doesn't do the expected thing you open with the grandeur of something like here comes the rain again. And then you're, you, then you segue, you know, into this sort of, you know, um, this sort of electronic cha-cha song <laughs> regrets with all of its, you know, bells and whistles and, and, you know, UFO sounds that sound like something out of forbidden planet. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and, um, and Lennox, you know, as you know, no longer sounding like you know a, a, a woman waiting to be an ice queen, made waiting to be melted by love. She becomes this android that's gonna you know hurt you if you don't do what she wants. And it, 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 it's it's it. I, I I find it a pleasurable song. You know, I, I, I think yeah. some of the I don't know. I think some of the lyrics. You know. You know. You know, what, what is, what, what's the, you know, wow, I can't even, now, now oh, talk to two wonderful Eurythmics fans. Now I'm forgetting what I need to say about 
a Eurythmic song that nobody else knows about, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the lyrics that get me are like, you know, the razor blade smile. Yeah, exactly. Um, Highway Mohican, you know, yeah. and it's just, um, and in this country, I do what I like, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's a and great I always moment, had, moment to me, you know, kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is it is it a is it a is it a song that could have been released today on the things that are happening today? Left is you know left right left right black is black is red. <laughs> is why you did in this country I do what I like. Yeah, this that kind I of thing. I think it could. I, I think it could. You know, you, you she kind of I, I think foreshadows Gaga a little bit, but you know, just a little bit with that song. I'm not saying all the way, but. No, no, I, 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 yeah, I get that. I get yeah. that. Yeah, I think well, there's the, a lot of things that for uh, you know, <laughs> well, as you know, Gaga dressed up like, uh, sort of like Annie's Earl. That's right. You know, yeah. at, at an award show too, which was clearly an homage. So yeah, um, it's funny. I, I haven't heard Lady Gaga mention Annie Lennox specifically. I've heard her talk about a lot of artists, but never Annie Lennox. But you know, it's there because you can see it. Right. You can see the influence. And sometimes they don't talk about their biggest influences because they don't want to seem like copying, copycat. Right, exactly, you know? exactly. So, yeah. But um, I remember, and I think I told the story before on another podcast, but uh, when I was a teenager and the Touch album was out, I had a friend over from school and we I was playing the album. And when, when Here Comes the Rain Again was on, that was fine. But when Regrets came on, this really threw this kid for a loop. He looked at me and said, what the heck is this? <laughs> and I, that was my first dawning that, oh, yeah, some people might think this is a little odd. <laughs> I didn't, but, you know. I, I always, I mean, I really enjoyed the song. It's a, it's a good shoulder shimmy song. It's kind of, you know, you know, like, and, and I love the, the, the sort of homage to Grace Jones in it with the, you know, the sinister android that, you know, she, I mean, I mean he, here's how I, here's how I'll say it. I think this song looks like the Annie Lennox that we see on the cover. You know, the, the warrior. That's what that, that's what yeah. captured in that song. And I think that's yeah. what I say. Especially with, uh, the, with the mask on yes. and she talks about the highway Mohican and all that. Uh -huh. stuff. Yeah, you're right. You know, I hadn't I hadn't really thought about it that way. I think that's a really good point, Brian. I think you're right. That is that song sums up that cover. Like, like nothing else. Absolutely right. It's it's there. I, I think I love the lyrics of where she says, "And my fist collides with your furniture." Which yeah. is I was trying to think of. <laughs> you go back to the Sweet Dreams video and pound down on the table, you know. So I don't know if that's even. I never made but, that uh, connection before myself, but thank you. <laughs> that makes a lot of yeah. That makes a lot of me, me, me either. I that's yeah. See this is great. I, I, I will say this. I think the touch dance version of regrets, uh, I think it's better than the album version. So it's pretty I like good. It. I listened to it recently. Yeah. Because you, you had mentioned that recently. So I went back and listened. Yeah. <laughs> I repeat myself apparently, but no, I, I do. I liked it. I, I, I like what they did with it. I, I know it was, a it was Dave and Annie that really did with it, right. but I, I, I like, I like what they did with it. It was kind of, I like the mix of it and, how it starts out, and I think it, I think it did well with that. Could have been a single, maybe. Yeah. But uh, so 
I think the Touch Dance album has aged better than any of us have expected, you know. And I wonder, you know, you heard a lot about how Dave and Annie didn't really like the album, although they did a lot to promote it. So um, I don't know. I wonder if, if maybe they have a kind of a different take on it now. But um, there are some good, you know, good remixes uh, there are good album. ones. There are good ones. I like their. I like the the the. You know, oh, I'm skipping ahead, but there. The, but you know, the but Touch Dance's version of First Cut is my favorite. You know, you know there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. yeah, and of course, the First Cut was a huge hit on the dance. You know, on the dance charts and in dance clubs in the U.S. as well as everywhere else. Um, I remember seeing it on Billboard like a number two on the dance chart, and it was like, oh, wow. wow, you know. I, I personally didn't hear it in any clubs, even though I was going to clubs at the time. So I don't know, but somewhere then apparently. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So all right. What's next? Right by your side. And uh, my partner always says, this is the song that really made me realize that, you know, they could be like a band and they could do, you know, um, like the normal band thing and all that. And, that always, I was always kind of a head scratching comment to me because it's like, well, I, that was obvious all along to me, but okay. <laughs> but I, I get it. It was even the video was the first time we really saw them like performing like a band, you know, instead of like this conceptual bizarre imagery, even though the imagery was still bizarre. <laughs> well, I think, I think that has a lot to do with how things were released in England because I'm almost wonder if the record company wanted uh, right by your side because the way the video was to to promote the touch tour to promote that that they're a live band as well I kind of wondered if it was there was a reason to that um, now I, I I just think there's just nothing bad about right by your side I love it I, it makes me happy every time I hear it it's joyful now having said that I think it is a song that uh, some fans don't love, or they kind of think, hmm, doesn't really fit in on touch. And I, I don't, uh, my friend Clem Stombaugh, uh would say that. He would say, well, the song's good. I just think it should have been released on its own or something like that, and it doesn't really fit in on touch. I disagree with my friend. But, um, you know, hey, Calypso and all that sound it, it's and i just i love the video it makes me happy i just i just think it's it i i, I, li- I was listening to it in the car earlier today and uh, you know i just think it, it does it's 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 totally different but if you really take track by track on touch every single song is different there isn't it, it's 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 like their albums <laughs> their albums are different and even that that album itself those tracks are very different from one to the other in my mind but where do you fall in on this brian do you fall in on like mm, could do without it just a little too happy let's hear about it Yo, know, he's grimacing he's gonna say something he's gonna... <laughs> is almost you know uh, uh, uh the, what i'm about to say could be a testament to how remarkably Dave and Annie can change it up and, 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 and how they can blindside you. I, you know, I knew the song before I bought the touch album. I got over, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't say bought it. It was given to me as a, as a, as a present. Uh, but I, I knew the song before the touch album, but uh, I didn't know it was them to be quite honest with you. 
Oh, I did not. Yeah, they played it on the radio briefly. And I grew up in D.C. where we didn't have MTV. You know, D.C. didn't have MTV. I mean, the nation's capital had no MTV. Put your head up. Let that sink in for a little bit. Yeah, that is weird. We didn't get it until 1988. So, um, wow. And I thought I lived in a backwards area. We got it like right, right after it first came out. (laughs) We were the last. We no, we were the last part of the country to get cable. So we didn't have MTV. And uh, but so 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 I didn't know the video at all. I I you know and um and so when I got touch, I realized oh this is them. And but, but, but to answer your question, how I feel about the song, it sticks out like a sore thumb. I I, <laughs> I just think you know I just gotten so used to uh to what's the word uh I I don't know I just got used to. Annie Lennox as a, as a kind of maudlin vocalist, you know, with who's that girl and, uh, and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I mean, sweet dreams doesn't always evoke the most, you know, doesn't necessarily evoke a sunny view of life and, uh, and, and love is a stranger tells you how love is, love is going to get you in a bad way. You know, so, um, so to hear her, you know, chirping and, and, and you know, yodeling and so to going on about, you know, give me two strong arms. I, I just need to be with you. It just rings false, you know. Maybe, I, I, I don't know. Maybe she really did feel those things as she, as she wrote it. But Well, you know, she did say at the time it was one of the generally, generally first genuine, generally happy songs they had ever written and recorded. And I think she did. I think she does feel that way when she writes it. However, I don't know how long lasting those feelings are with her. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but but pay attention to those first two lines in that song. It's give me two strong arms to protect myself. Give me so much love that I forget myself. This is not. This is a broken lit- person. This is talk. This is very internal in the sense of. She's not the two strong arms are to protect herself. So she she takes it, and by the second verse or the second uh, stanza, she's talking about another person at that point. But it's interesting when you really step back and you start reading that that it's it's a little bit about I need I'm trying. It's kind of be self affirming kind of thing. Give me this so I can get through this. I need this so I can believe that there's someone there that I can believe can be right by my side. So it's, and you know what, and there's an, even Dave's talked about when it, what's the lyric later on uh, when depression starts to win. And, and he's talked about that. Even So Annie couldn't write a completely happy song, but it is, it is that interesting dichotomy that she's trying, even when she's trying to write a happy love song, uh, it's talking about this isn't easy, this is hard, and I need some strength to even believe that it's going to happen. So that's interesting. So you're saying that when she says, "Give me two strong arms," she's talking about her own arms. It's but that's what she says. Give me two strong arms. Yeah, to I always pre- thought she was talking about. Like, oh, yeah, I never even you know cotton. Yeah, I thought she was me saying, "Give me the strong arms of a man." Yes, but, but I, I don't. I don't, I don't, 
I don't think it, it's it's talking about I need to convince myself that I can let somebody uh, that I can believe in this, that I can let get close to somebody. It's so it's really interesting when you because that's what you it's interesting because I think we hear because of what the song is and that it's happy. I think we hear give me two strong arms, you know, and we're thinking, oh, she she need I need a man kind of thing. That, but that's not what she's saying. No, so, no. and she's really good what? at that, at those types of lyrics that you think mean one thing. A perfect example is in Angel, where she says she took her life within her own two hands. And people think that, that the lyric is about that this, that this girl killed herself. But it's not. It's about she took her life within her own two hands. She did something with and her lived, life. And lived it. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I'm a little embarrassed because I, I did think that was about suicide. I mean, she was embarrassed because <laughs> Mark is yeah, really to say she, about right by your side that I never considered. I'm having a fun time with this, you guys. This is really great. Well, man, that's the that's the best part is when you realize things that wow, you know, someone else has a, a different perspective and and it kind of works. But if she wanted to, she said, if she wanted to to imply that the girl committed suicide, she would have said she took her life with her own, two, not within her own two hands. And well, it gets a lot of fans, I think, get think it's about suicide, but it's not. Anyhow, <laughs> well, we two are one. Back to touch. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so. I always thought right by your side has such bizarre lyrics, you know, like I want to swing from limb to limb to, 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 and it's like, what is you, what are you a monkey? What is yeah. and then we, And then we have, you know, a, a woman in the jungle and a monkey on a tree later on. And it's yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> um, but I always just thought it was just really goofy and bizarre and I, and, and that it was meant to be that way, you know, oh. but you're right. It has those dark, those dark shades of self doubt or whatever, or, uh, you know, so yeah, she. I but guess she can't write a completely happy song. I, I want to read a review from the L.A. Times, and it was an article about uh, dance music, and he had written, and, and it was uh, Robert Hilburn, which you we remember Robert Hilburn, and he was you know kind of a tough critic back in the day. He talked a lot about would rhythmics ever make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He actually wrote stories about that. But anyway, he did a twelve-inch singles were becoming very big at that point. And so he's writing a, a, an art. He took a lot of singles and he wrote about them and he concludes it with right by your side. And he says, Dave Stewart and Annie Lennox counter the anxiousness of their tales of romantic obsession with a cheery carnival like pledge of devotion that defies you not to tap your feet. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, you got to tap your. I, I think you got to tap your feet with yes. fire sign. I, I, it, it brings me joy every time, but it always did. So I think that uh, you know you're going to fall in one of those those yeah. places. I don't. Um, I don't think it sounds out of place on the album. Sorry, Clem. Um, I think it sounds perfect on the album, and um, yeah, um, I just. I, I think I think Brian is with Clem on this. I, I, I'm <laughs> with you, Clem. I, I've seen his name in the group too, so. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, me and Clem are going to be are going to agree there. So, <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm sure Clem will comment on this in the comments. Okay, so the next song is "Cool Blue," and and I just want to I'll let somebody else talk. But the first thing I just want to say real quickly, 
um, one one of the things about this album that really sticks out is how is Dave's guitar work, which is so it's it's almost subtle. You know, if you're not if you're not paying too close attention to it, you might just think you're listening to a synth album. But there's so much guitar work in the background and in 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 the songs themselves. And Cool Blue, I think, is one of the ones, along with some of the other ones like First Cut and Aqua, where you really hear that um, his guitar work and and how once you realize how how much of it is there and how prominent it is, you realize that without it, the album would probably not even work, you know? So, um, and I think that has to do part with the name touch, you know, it's almost like a little bit more organic, you know, um, we're, you know, it's synthesizer, but not as synth as the first album. And now it's getting, we're getting a more organic. I mean, there was guitar on, on sweet dreams album, of course, it just seems like it was used in a way on touch that was, uh, more deliberately organic to me. Um, and one thing I'll say before I let somebody else talk is, you know, the touch, the touch logo, you know, has T O U C H italicized, but the H is straight. To me, that always meant like, I always took that as like when you touch flesh, it's soft until you hit the bone and then it's, it's firm. So I always thought of T O U C as the flesh and then H is the, the bone. So I don't know. I have weird thoughts. I don't know if anybody <laughs> out there thinks that's a thing, but we have to ask Lawrence Stevens about that. Well, we did talk about that with him, and I think he said something like, "Oh yeah, you know, I never thought of that." But apparently, I didn't do my homework enough. I didn't pay attention to the fonts at all. You know, I mean, uh, I, I knew the well, E and the S was like significantly smaller in Eurythmics, but you know, and their and their use of stars, which I always thought was very nice. Good job there, Lawrence yeah. Stevens. But you know, I just never, I just never really took the time to really think, you know, why they did it that way. But you know, but I, I've always, I mean, I've always liked their, you know, it, it wasn't just their music for that for me. It, it was their, it was how they presented themselves visually that I thought was just as important as the music. And of course, on the album cover, you know, it's shot in a way where she's she's lit in a way where you can see the uh, the hairs on her neck, you know, and 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 like hair on you know. And to me, that was another thing, like touch. You know, it's more real. It's more up up front and 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 you know, more organic. Even though it's a synth album as well. So cool blue thoughts on cool blue. <laughs> Blue and the first cut to me have always seemed like you know first cousins that they they fit perfectly. Uh, and you know, I think they're very similar tracks in a way. Um, and um, I find it again one of the fun tracks from from Touch. Uh, you know, it's fits into the uh, synth band um, aspect of of them far more, I think, than Sweet Dreams. Sweet Dreams, I think, is a very kind of lush with lots of stuff going on. And I think Touch is a little bit more in the vein of 80s synth music and i think cool blue fits into that vein perfectly yeah that is i wonder is this what is the song about is it about um somebody who's died blue the color suits you are they or is that what the person is wearing i don't know um well she always had a thing for 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 men who are kind of icy and distant and I, and I that's just how I take it you know 
You know, e- even the synth sounds on this are very chilling. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, you, you get that little ping pong rhythm that goes back and forth to kick it off a little bit. Then the ba- then this uh, synth bass kind of sturdies it, you know, keeps it grounded, and then then all the other flourishes, and then her voice blue. The color suits you. You know, it's like, you know, I, I, I don't know. But I, don't, I really don't know what it's about. Maybe it's just a, a little, a playful little mood piece. I don't know. Yeah. Or it could be a, a yeah, a, a, maybe she's talking about the way a, a man looks. He looks, to, to, to borrow Blondie, you look good in blue. Um, oh, yeah. The, the color suits you. How will you stay this way forever? like don't change stay like this or if it's talking about somebody who's died you know well i've never looked at it it's permanent you know so i don't know i don't don't, don't know about death but you know definitely i'd sense someone who's just kind of aloof and you can't you know break through to them i don't know and i yeah that's uh, i i I guess my, my my supposition that it's just kind of a mood piece you know, made you know, it's just the sound of the words mixed with the with the with the synths, kind kind of like I got an angel. It's more, you know, I don't know. From well, I mean, I think the lyrics, the, the lyrics that come up on the end, you know, and in in that really kind of high voice, how you could you fall for a boy? You know, and I think it's more of the maybe the the boy from the wrong side of the tracks. You don't, you you know, Mama told you to avoid or whatever it was, but uh, you know, I think it's partly that and you know but but yet, uh, but yet she's attracted to this to this of course. bad boy right? <laughs> and, I, and i and i think you know there's that great part in it where it kind of goes back to here comes the rain again a little bit here it comes again here it comes again here it comes again you know so again there's a lot, there's a lot going in this song that you kind of think is kind of a little bit is a little simple song but when you break it apart there's a lot of things going on and a lot of different kinds of things, uh, you know, building up. Listening to the two of you talk about it makes me feel less that it's about death and it's more about a person. Well, I've never thought of it that way. I've, yeah, I never did. I never thought about it that way either. That's just dark Rex. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so who's that girl? I mean, what can we say about this stellar song? Everything. Electro Torch Masterpiece. Yes. And uh, I may not have had MTV, but I did have Friday night videos. And I do remember the video for this one. And, you know, just, you know, visuals and music went hand in hand with this duo. I mean, really. I mean, it almost feels like you can't have one without the other. And this is really them at at their visual peak. You know, I mean, I remember being so stunned seeing her in 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 the you know the the, the sort of you know this you know Chris, the, the, this this I don't, how do I want to say this blonde wig and her not not red not not short orange hair but and and in a dress and sing, and and you know crooning uh, you know it, it it was it was it's it's just so beautiful so beautifully shot it's you know and it, and it's and it's funny it's a little. You know, it's a fantastic video, and and it and it's a fantastic song. And I love how it starts with that sort of, you know, sounds like the the opening, you know, sounds like something you'd hear out of a 
Bella Lugosi film, you know, near, 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 you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know right away that it's Eurythmics, unlike Right By Your Side, which I honestly had no idea was them. <laughs> so I got the album. <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitive Eurythmic sound. It was, I mean, a different sound though, you know, and, uh, but you're right about that. And, and um, um, just, it took you, you know, into a, a different kind of place as well. I mean, again, a, like you said earlier, you know, another one of Annie's love songs, but, you know, the dangers of it and the, you know, the broken China cups and all that stuff. And, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And of I, course, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, all of Dave's paramours in the video, I think are supposed to look like famous celebrities, right? Like Elizabeth Taylor, right. Meryl Streep, uh, Debbie Harry, Sophia Loren. Um, and you've got, all the, you've got all the, you know, the other real, you know, banana ramas right. in it. Yeah. Marilyn, um, you know, so you have an, an, an other, there were some others, you know, so, you know, which is interesting because think about that. Now they had a huge album and a, a huge single, but they, you know, they're still very young in the process. Of course they'd been in the tour. They were known in England. So maybe that's, it's not so weird, but sometimes I think about it, you know, they had a lot of people who they went to and said, Hey, you want to be in our video? And I'm like, obviously sure we'll do that. So they demanded a lot of respect, I think, even at that point. And, you know, that's, in essence, their third hit single, Sweet Dreams, Love is a Stranger, Who's That Girl? Um, so um, that's always a kind of a song that I wonder if, um, I'm surprised no one's covered that of any a more famous person, you know, has not covered that. I even think you could cover that as a country song if you wanted to. You could twist that around, but um, but I'm kind of surprised that no one has. But it could uh, be that somebody has wanted to, but was not given permission. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we've heard about how Beyonce wanted to sing "Sisters," and you know that. The, was- the Wall Street Journal said this about "Who's That Girl." The mood is that of someone wistfully staring out a rain battered window and then the song's flowing melody is ambushed by the thud of a staccato rhythm line shattering the reverie like a fist shot through the pain they're not talking about here comes the rain again they're talking about who's that girl in this spot and and they're loving it so uh so <laughs> it, but, was a, uh, it was an odd song to hear on the radio because it um it has a you know it 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 never seemed like radio ready to me, like it was the like a perfect radio song, because it you know it's it has like like Brian like you were saying has that kind of very odd beginning you know which is which is kind of sinister sounding, um, and but but I, yet I heard it on the radio not a lot but I did and I just I think it was kind of a triumph that it was played on the radio you know because um, it was. Like you were saying, you had heard right by your side, like just a few. And same with me. I, I didn't hear it very much on the radio. I heard it a few times and it always stuck out like a sore, like, like a sore thumb, even on the radio. And I think even who's that girl kind of stuck out that way, too. But, um, but and, 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 you know, and I, maybe I keep beating this to death, but I mean, this the song so different every few seconds, <laughs> it right. changed, you know, and it's. Which is not the usual way to write a pop song. You know, not that things don't change and you've got the chorus and all that, but it's so totally different. You know, 
you started out with the three words and and then like you said the music and the the lyrics and then it it does pop pop as, as wall street journals referred to but there's just one thing you know and it you kind of pounding your fist kind of thing and i think and, there's a there's a perfect moment in the song where it goes where she goes Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that part. I mean, that is just so perfect. It is just the perfect moment in a, in a pop song, and um, I've always just thought that was absolutely brilliant. I'd love to talk to Dave about this. Um, it, it's interesting because the remix, the twelve-inch single, is uh, a little bit different in in the sense of how it, it is a little bit uh, more dramatic. Uh, even with the first music, which is how they performed it live on the touch tour, which I just think is really well done. Not that it deviates too much, but I'm always been sort of curious, like if it got written two or three different ways, you know, they were real, they, they did a lot of, they did a lot of their songs early on and they would like, okay, and change it up a little bit. We know like there were sort of early versions of somebody told me and, and some of the others and, and, um, uh, so I can't think of the other one, but, you know, so it's always kind of interesting to me if they kind of said, if, if the, which one sort of first, I know it's a reason for the 12 inch, the club mix, I think they called it. And, but anyway, it's just kind of interesting to me that I wondered if there were a different version of it. And they finally said, this is the style we want to do. I'd, I'd love to know. Could the, be. Yeah. I, know that. Um, I think a lot of artists probably do that. Um, I'm sure they do. Yeah. And you know, the, the one you hear on the album may not necessarily be the the one they started with or whatever. And you often hear in concert too, the way they change things around and not just be rhythmics, but all, all, all artists do that. So yeah, um, it's just a phenomenal song. What can you say? <laughs> yeah. Okay. First cut is the next song. And of course this is the first song on the second side of the LP for those of us that didn't have the cassette. <laughs> <laughs> Although maybe you did have to turn the cassette over for that. But you did know. have to turn the cassette over for that. You did. Um, who, Sorry. I, what I've always wanted to know about this song, who is George? Hello, George. I never, I never saw, saw you, you coming in. I always thought it was Boy George. That's what I thought, too, that she was talking about Boy George. But now I'm wondering if it was more a reference to Gilbert and George because of the whole... They used, you know, it's been, they talked about how Gilbert and George were a big uh, uh, influence on their, on their, their look, their male, suited look. Yeah. Their, their, their suited look. Yeah. So I don't, I always thought it was about maybe boy George because I hate to use the term gender bender because I know that that labels things and, and Annie's not too crazy about it, but they were the two premier gender benders. Of and the they day. were friends. I mean, they were, they both right. were friends back in the, the tourist days. So could be, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I was, it, they were so top of mind and it's in my, I had friends who, I, you know, I loved Eurythmics and friends who loved culture club and all that. So it was always, there in the forefront for me. And I always just sort of thought it was a, a, a raw reference. Like, yeah, I never saw, didn't think about you coming in like this or whatever, I, I, but I don't, it could be none of that. It could just right. be, you know, that was the lyric that came into her mind and who knows, you know, 
If one of us gets to interview Annie Lennox one day, we'll ask her. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like we said earlier, this song was a big hit on the dance charts and on the dance floors. And um, I always loved the song. I just thought it was a great uh, energetic song. And um, it is. It's, yeah, a real, I, it's a real kinetic number. And then at the end, you mentioned Dave Stewart's, you know, guitar playing. You It really kicks in on this one. It almost... Yeah. It almost predates what I lied to you, I think, a little bit with the, you know, you know. I, yeah, you're right. We got that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, wow. I, it's my it's my it's personally one of my favorite songs off of the album. It's just, you know, it's it, it's just fun. It's just, you know, you can, you know, and like I said, you know, from the from the Touch Dance album, I think the extended version really kicks you know i mean really i wondered if if touch dance had been a little more successful if it should have been a single from that too or it could have easily been a single from touch yeah. but uh I, I do think you're brian you're right on that it's it's was um, touch dance like the first remix album ever was. put out yeah, Jelly Bean Benitez, you know, that was yeah. you know, he he'd go on to work with Madonna and and do right. club mixes for her. So, you know, yeah. I think it was the first time you really That's what I what I remember hearing at the time and and but like when you now when you go and you research Touchdowns now, you don't really see that comment anywhere about it. it was the especially like on the Wikipedia page, you know, it doesn't say that. But that's what I had always heard, and I can't think of one that came along before that. I, I think I think there was and there was a recent article, and I do not know who did it, but it's it's very fairly recently that and I don't actually think they talk about touchdowns. Or maybe they just slightly mention it, but there were some others. But um, it was very early on. Um, um, I know that this podcast isn't about touch dance, but we keep talking about touch dance. But uh, I guess they're they're related. But uh, well, yeah, I think, I think it could have been different. It could have. Um, I think you know, Dave. Uh, there's a uh, Dave talks about it. Uh, a little bit that that they were aware of it and they had worked with it, but they just weren't happy with it at the end because he said something to the effect that he had mixed the songs to the best of his ability. Um, I'm not really sure where all that comes in. I don't, it's that's too much of it. Are you, what, like he didn't he didn't like the job that the remixers did with. Well, he didn't say it quite that far, but he just that that he had re, he had recorded them and mixed them to their satisfaction and. He wasn't sure what the point was, yeah. but then again, the, the, but there were twelve-inch singles and remixes and stuff. Well, so yeah, and when we're, like that was it out there? When remixes uh, take your song, you you're kind of like yeah. they do with it what they want, and but that's the thing about that was it's not like in more modern mixes where you know they take things and it's a totally different thing. They're very similar. They 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 didn't. They didn't take it and make it something else. Uh, so um, I'm not sure. I think they were a little it had bit of more to do with the loss of control, I guess, is what angered them, you know, because I mean, think about it, you know, you know, they're successful now, but they're successful on their own terms. You know, they this isn't a tourist situation. No one is telling them to record a song by this songwriter or that songwriter they had i mean that that's what's really amazing about eurythmics success is that it was them they did it 
and to and to have you know this uh, you know have the you have their masters given to a remixer, you know. It, yeah, I, I, I can see why they're a little annoyed. Uh, they would, they would be annoyed. Yeah. I don't know how they feel. About and that, that, and that was new. That was new for the time. I mean, not, yeah. not you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the thing to just. I mean, remixes got huge in the '80s and all that. And, and I maybe, maybe five or six years later, maybe Dave had a different thought about touch dance. Like, well, you know, it was, it was kind of ahead of its time. You know, right? Uh, yeah, and clearly, though, you know, again they were trying to catch up with the rest of the world was trying to catch up by the time touch dance came out here comes the rain again had just been released over here, you know, or just about, just about, you know, so it, you know, clearly the record company was like, well, we've got to have something else while they're doing all this other stuff. And so I, I think, I think, Dave made some remark that it was some whippersnapper, you know, (laughs) who had the idea and, and it, and they, they went with it, but, Hey, you know, uh, like I think we've we've all said, hey, there's some tracks on Touch Dance that we actually really like and even compared. So I I think it's a it's a fun uh, companion piece. Um, I think some, you know, fans find it. uh, 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 The Thompson Twins were doing great. They were releasing albums uh, like dance versions and, and alternative sides to their whole album sometime, you know, there'd be a whole quote, other alternative album on a cassette, on a cassette. So, you know, there are a lot of people were doing those kind of things and it's not at all. It beca- it's become something rather norm today, yeah. you know, give fans something else. Here's another thing. And here's another version of this. So that, you know, I think maybe the time is, a, but I, I think Brian hits on it best of all that they had very specifically said, we're going to control what's happening to us as much as they could, as much as one can in the music industry, I suspect. And that one was probably one where it kind of got away from them. And it's like, we're not going to support, we're not going to give you any credence. You're going to listen to us because they had the chops to do it. You know, if things weren't a hit, you know, they wouldn't have the chops, but you know, they could because they, they were successful. Well, I think if you now, if you look back at the whole history of remixes and all that, I think it, I think it fits in well, and and it's not, it's not an embarrassment. It's not, you know. In fact, I appreciate that album more now than I did back in the day. So, yeah, I do too. I do too. All right. Um, so the next song is Aqua, and um, this is the song I used to blast when I was mad at my mom. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Okay. I don't know. I don't know if she got what I was doing, but when I was mad, I would blast that song. I tell you. (laughs) For me, um, this is once again, a song that, you know, pays tribute to the woman that we see on the cover of touch, just like regrets. This creature has come back. To, to, to stalk us a little, to stalk us a little bit, and I love it. You know, I mean, you know, that, 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 that's. I think that might as be, me being just a boy when, when they had come out. I, I don't know how old you guys were. I mean, it, it was Eurythmics had this science fiction edge that I really liked, and, and and it's on display here. You know, with the with the with the creepy, you know, the the, the creepy sort of you know vocalizations that go in, in the background. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, what is this? And the, and the 
tribal drumming and the bass and the untuned acoustic guitar, you know, it, I mean, I don't know. The, the, to me, the, it sound, there's something very off about the song, but it's very alluring and very captivating, you know, like Lennox herself, you know. Yeah. And it goes back to that imagery of, uh, of um, you know, like from uh, – Underneath the water, and and yeah. we had a little bit of that. We had a little bit of that with "Never Gonna Cry Again," right? And uh, you know, there was Jennifer. even that Jennifer video where Jennifer, exactly, yeah. So we've got that kind of theme running through it again. Um, yeah, a lot of what water is it about this album? A lot of water, you know, rain, uh-huh. <laughs> aqua, um. <laughs> cool, cool blue, cool. Yeah, no, you're. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. That's, yeah, there there is a water. There kind of a water theme. Yeah. Well, I think it's also interesting that um, that it's track two on side the second and regrets is a track two on you know side one, and I think you're right that they're sort of companion pieces. They I, they that's do. the way I think too, Mark. I look at things like that and I go, hmm, you know, this is same number on both sides, similar kind of song, you know, similar. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's not, I, I would probably say for a long time, it was my least favorite song on the album. It's the one I probably would skip. Um, but it's one that if you go back and you, you, you're just letting it play, it's it's a pretty interesting song. I think it's very much like they're probably, it's they're more experimental pieces that to make the album, to, to make an album cut. Yeah, in uh, fact, you could almost see it as a fleshed out version of, of a touch of a touch B side. You know, uh, some of those uh, bizarro B sides from t- which I just love. I I love their crazy experimental B sides. Um, <laughs> I that was one of the things about them that really drew me to them was wow. So you can make this great pop music, and then you can do this really ex- weird experimental stuff that's going to make people go, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> I thought it. I thought it was great. I loved it. Okay. Okay. No fear, no hate, no pain. Somebody go. <laughs> oh, you know, to me, I wonder if it was this piece of music from this album that made someone think that, you know, that Dave and Annie had it in them to score a film. And they would next with, you know, for the love of Big Brother. I wonder if there's something very cinematic about it. And once again, unnerving, just like the pre, it, it, it takes the unnerving, the, the, uh, the, uh, what's the word? You know, as unnerving as Aqua is, as a listen, this one kicks it up a notch, you know, with, with the strings and the, and the, and the, you know, Oh, you know, the break in the song where she's really doing this, you know, sort of, you know, crazy vocalization and, you know, and, and the clapping and the, and, the, and it's just, you know, I wonder if that was, you know, if, if someone listened to that and thought these guys should score a movie, you know, maybe, maybe not. And you're right. It's very cinematic, yeah. and and that that uh, that uh, string, you know that, dun, dun, and then um, well in the morning when I'm, it's yeah. like so dramatic, and it it that that string thing is almost so sharp. It's like it's almost like the needle that they're talking about in the song. Yeah. You know? 
Well, again, and I think that song shows again how much confidence they had in songwriting and to do, you know, with the no fear, no, you know, and the, just the juxtapositions of those and how. Which has shades of Beethoven in it, if when you think about it, with the, uh, the, the respond, those responding vocals that are both her, you know. Yeah. If you've not heard, and you'd have to go find a bootleg of it, but the live version of that and one of the backing singers, one of the croquettes, and they hit this really, really, really high note. Uh, and I'm not going to try to do it, <laughs> uh, but it's 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 a it's it's a killer part in that song live that they performed a few times, you know, on the touch tour. You know, yeah, I think and, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and because it's very ethereal, you know, and it's I, I think that could have been a single. Um, I think it could have too, in a Kate Bush kind of way, you know. Yeah, and just imagine Ooh. video for that one. What that would have been—that would have been something. I think wow. you know. Maybe that yeah. could be. Maybe that could be like Kate Bush is running up that hill where it gets rediscovered and becomes a big hit. Well, I just wrote a novel, and if they ever turn it into a TV series, uh, we'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> we'll hold you. We'll hold you to that. So what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of the novel? I got it right here. Well, no one else can see this, but you guys can. It's Roger's War. It's a dystopian novel. Oh. Nice. Yeah. All right. A, post, yeah. a post-American society, and uh, and I was listening to a lot of For the Love of Big Brother as I was writing it. So there you go. <laughs> I'm going to check that out, Brian. And everybody who's listening, you, you can check that out too. I mean. Is that it's available on Amazon? Amazon and yeah, you can get it uh, on Amazon through paperback or Kindle, and it's there. Did you say a post-American society? Oh yeah, America's gone in my book. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. and it's been taken over by something really awful or, or yeah. something yeah. awful yeah. that's really growing. And my main character so is caught up on it. So agreed agreed yeah very interesting very interesting i like that so people can check that out so i like that the, you know that that you that that you can you listen to some the eurythmic some eurythmics music during all that uh, just not necessarily for inspiration but for uh back for Emotion, I suppose. That's how I write. I write with music sometimes. It's not always your rhythmics. It's not always your right. I, I understand but, it, but but it was it, it was. I, I actually made a loop of, of of Winston's diary from you know the 1984 soundtrack for a, a few scenes to get through and write, and you know, and so. <laughs> Winston's, Winston's diary is one of my favorite tracks on that album, and it's so short. Mm -hmm. But it's so evocative. And Mark, do you remember what what I did with that song about how I, my dream was to play it as I was driving through the desert? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I finally that dream finally came true. I was driving through the desert a few years ago, and I just played it over and over. To me, it always had a kind of a western feel to it, like almost like around a campfire. Again, you know, it's, 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 got, a, it's got a spaghetti. Yeah, it does have a spaghetti yeah. western feel, but you know, right, and that's. Yeah, that's what it always evoked for me, even though I know that it's about the uh, the desperation and isolation, and all that of what's going on in 1984. But um, yeah, I always thought of it as like 
but the imagery in my mind was sitting around a campfire at night and someone's playing this harmonica and it's and it's uh you know is that even a harmonica in the song or is that it is a harmonica in the song but it's largely powered by a by a synth you know progression you know i mean their synth progression which works beautifully i think but we skipped ahead to another album so sorry sorry listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think we've done that that several times. (laughs) You can tell I have to talk to Eurythmics fans often enough. (laughs) Well, I I, I think it's a a stellar track from that album. I don't think it, you know, necessarily was one that reviews even mentioned necessarily a lot. I've looked through some, but um, it's a a standout track. And I I do kind of wonder if... um, if they'd had time to make a video for it again, they were on a world tour uh, instead of touch dance. Would there have been a fourth single? It could have been the first cut. It could have been no fear, no hate, no pain, no broken hearts, uh, which, you know, I believe landed as one of the top 10 Eurythmics songs in our uh, Eurythmics poll from a few years back. Um, you know, so I think it's an important song to a lot of people. It's a, I think it's a very emotional song to um different you had, had a friend in high school who was i wouldn't say she was a huge eurythmics fan she was a casual eurythmics fan but that song really resonated with her for some reason and uh she would play that quite a bit and so i always thought that that always interests me the way people respond to things like like my friend who just was totally freaked out by regrets you know what what the hell is this he said <laughs> <laughs> i still will never forget that <laughs> Yeah, Anyhow, okay, so Paint a Rumor is the last song on the album. Now, Mark, you said that the, uh, what, Aqua was your least favorite. I would have to say Paint a Rumor used to be my least favorite because it, you know, it kind of goes on a bit long. and and But that changed over the years. I actually appreciate it now, and um, I can find myself going with the flow of it and not feeling like, okay, this needs to end, you know. <laughs> I, I will say this. Now, I, I love the song, and I did back in the day. Now, but I would say this: it needed to be three minutes shorter on the album, and I think it needed to end in a very dramatic way. Yeah. It's a secret, <laughs> you know. And I think that would have been a great way to end that song. Yeah. Um, and it kind of cracks me up, or you know, there was the long version of "Paint a Rumor" <laughs> that's minutes longer, and I think this is where <laughs> I think long this is- version. Well, really, but this is where the Touch Dance album didn't necessarily help things because then you had the seven and a half minute instrumental and and another remix of it, and you know it, that was in addition to the long version. So I think what would have been great had been the album had a four minute version of it. Then I think we would have appreciated the different remixes a little bit better. Anyway, in my mind, in my mind, no, that's valid. It sort of got overdone because but you know this again it was one of those really fun and experimental pieces going on uh and there's a lot of fun stuff going in it so and i i liked it and i I actually had friends in the back that really liked it you know it's a a very it can if you're if you're in high school at the time it it, i think it can really speak to you i don't think it was it was actually a fun song i think it was a it was a fun song back in the day we 
my friends and I had a blast with it. Now, Brian, what have your feelings on Paint a Rumor? I loved it, first of all. And, and, and you know, yeah, I remember when this, when this album came out, you know, breakdancing was kind of a thing. And I was sort of fascinated by that whole thing. And, and this track looks like it, 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 it lent itself well to robotic movements and, and, and that sort of thing. So, and I love the instrumentation and, you know, and, 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 and as you were, and, you know, it is a long track. I think maybe of those, whoa, 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 could have been cut personally, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, but, uh, but, you know, I, I thought it ended perfectly and I think it ends even better on, on the real long version on touch dance, you know, with the, with the bass riff that's really prominent and it just takes you out, you know, and, and, and visually, I, you know, I, I, I didn't think, you know, I, I, I would have liked to have seen a video for this one, similar to that art of noise video where they're chainsawing, you know, you know, a, a cello or something like that. I could have yeah, seen something yeah. like that for this. I could, or something similar to Missy Elliott's, you know, uh, work it video, you know, just something really, you know, yeah, robotic and herky jerky, you know, and, and, and you know, with destruction and coming in it and reintegration, and I, I but but then again, like I said, I I always really love this band for their visuals, and I really like would have enjoyed seeing something, you know, for for this for this track, you know. And the yeah, there's there's a lot of find, I I like to envision videos for these for this band that they never made. So <laughs> I know I do that too. I do that too. <laughs> I always thought it was a follow-up in a way because of the theme of it, of course, to, from somebody told me on the Sweet Dreams album, mm, you know, yeah. Secret and some, you know, right. I was kind of, my mind always went there with that, but uh, it it got listened to a lot. Of course, it was uh, a B-side to Here Comes the Rain Again. Am it I was, right? yes. Yeah, right, yes. So, and I think that's where that long version came from. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and, it, and, they, and on the 12 inch, is it, you've got the long version of Here Comes the Rain Again, which is nine seconds longer. And I've never really figured out if anybody knows, they, maybe someone here knows, you know, I'm not sure where the nine seconds come in other than if it's just longer at the end. I don't think. I think it's longer at the end. Yeah. Just, it kind of, it, it fades out. It doesn't fade out as fast as the regular version. And then you get, you get, you, you get a little more vo vocal at the end. Of, yeah. Maybe or something so. like that. Yeah. Um, that's kind of like the the extended version of "Would I Lie to You," has yeah, um, right. has a has a extended ending. Yeah, "Would I yeah. Lie to You" yeah. is the only single that I ever had from Eurythmics. You know, oh wow, why wasn't it with the other one? Sorry. So I had two. I only had two singles that I ever bought from Eurythmics. You know, no. It was a seven-inch, not a cassette single, right? For, don't ask me why. It was a cassette single. yes. They had both. They had the vinyl, but they did have a cassette yeah, right. single. And was it back with Rich Girl, yes, even in the U.S.? Yes, it was. That was it. Yeah. Once again, we've gone off to We Two Are One. So all these <laughs> Well, you know, to, to sum up Touch, I would say Touch has to be one of the most avant-garde experimental albums that ever had such commercial success and of course you can you can say the commercial success is due to here comes the rain again right by your side and and who's that girl and that's correct 
but the rest of the album is so experimental and bizarre that that um the fact that it sold as well as it did and it was so popular top 10 and all that i think was an artistic triumph really so yeah i want to i want to mention that uh, on uh placements on chart positions and um you can get this in lots of places but craig halstead i uh, did a, a book that compiled a lot of this stuff called annie lennox all the top 40 hits um shout out to him i don't know any details of how it all came about but in england it was number one for two weeks in a row australia it uh, reached number four canada number three for three weeks in a row Germany, nine, Japan, 71, the Netherlands, uh, number nine, uh, New Zealand, it reached number one, uh, Norway, number eight, South Africa, number 11, Sweden, uh, nine, Switzerland, 14, and the U.S., it was, the album was number seven for three weeks in a row, that was its top, and Zimbabwe at number three, and I, I thought that was interesting to, to kind of go over those, you know, that it that it was uh, I wonder how many people bought it and heard the other songs and thought like my friend, what is this stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I've never, I've never had the opportunity to really sit a friend down and, 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 you know, go through an album. I, I, I mean, I did have a friend watch, you know, their greatest hits video collection from 91. And that was a lot of fun. (laughs) The reaction there, you know, yeah. Never an album where I just sat someone down. <laughs> yeah. Stereo Review gave uh, did an, uh, an, an the review in Stereo Review, and uh, they called the performance remorse and rhythm. They called the recording first rate, and they summed it up by saying Stewart's arrangements are smooth and danceable, while his guitar work provides a prickly. Uh, abrasive counterpoint and it concludes by saying this heartbreak should always be so entertaining and i think that's a pretty good sum up of a eurythmics album heartbreak heartbreak should always be so entertaining <laughs> that's, well, I think that's probably a, a good way to wind down our podcast because we're approaching an hour and 15 minutes which have you noticed mark seems to be about our average about an hour and 15 minutes every time well, I, I think it just shows that we can keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> our goal our goal is like 45 to 50 minutes, but it's always around one, 50, one hour, 15 minutes. So interesting. But, but Brian, yeah. it's been great having you. We'd like to have you back to discuss another album. Or I would love to. I would love to, please. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. We would love did, that. So, yeah. Did we give you uh, all the opportunity? Was there anything you wanted to say about Touch or anything that we yeah. didn't let you or that we missed? Oh, I mean, to me, it's hard to call it a quintessential Eurythmics album, given the fact that this was this was a duo that changed so much with every release. So I can't call it a quintessential album. But for me, I mean... <laughs> To me, it sounds like how people imagine Eurythmics sounds. 
you know, when they don't take into account that, you know, they could rock out with what I lie to you or, or, or throw you a loop with Beethoven I love to listen to or, you know, never going to cry again or, you know, you know, or, or they could be, uh, you know, raunchy with I need a man or be all upscale with don't ask me why. I think this, you know, you know, that this, this, this album is the perfect encapsulation of what this band is capable of musically and, you know, visually and, and, and all of, and all of that. So, which is hard to do considering that your that the album before it was released the same year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Think think about that. Think about that. Just how before 12 months were up that they accomplished that. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just, yeah, I mean, I mean just think about the the whole the whole eighties. I mean, they put on a, an album every year. Right. I mean, we were so lucky as fans to to get that. I mean, nowadays, as most artists are go like two three years between albums. You know, it's now right. just standard. Or any Linux who goes, you know, five, six, right. seven, eight, eight, nine, yeah, nine, ten, eleven, yeah, twelve. Yeah. So, but I mean, if they, they we have to thank Dave because clearly, and they always talked about it. We're not just saying it here, but. If it had Dave was the one who said who pushed because Annie always said if it were up to her it would be four or five years but he said no so uh, we are very lucky that we got all that well and to think that you know a whole album with three or four singles all within the space of ten or eleven months and then all of a sudden here comes another album mm-hmm. and it's just like wow I mean I think we we didn't realize how good we had it back then <laughs> right absolutely yep. Well, I think it's time to end the podcast. So thanks, Brian. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Please come back for another one. I'm sure. It was it's it's good to see it's good to hear your voice and that you're not just a little avatar. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 good and good luck with your novel. Thank you so Uh, much. Yes. Yes. And everybody check that out. I'm gonna check it out. All right. All right, until next time. Bye everyone. See ya. Thank you. Bye.